0: I'm excited today It's Campus Sunday, and they let the old guy preach. you believe that? I really want to welcome everybody. If you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Rich, the senior pastor here at GPC, and I want to welcome everybody. Everyone's coming back because school starts, and uh, everyone, parents are happy because their grocery bill has gone down. Students are burdened because I'm so tired from getting all your uh, syllabuses this week, and um, you're good at A's, don't worry about it. You'll pass. It's gonna it's gonna pass. You'll do great. It's gonna be awesome. But anyway, I want to welcome you today. We have just something special we're gonna do today. Um, we're finishing what happened? There you go. That was special, wasn't it? Get a lot of hand clap on that one. That really got me. Okay, there's a spot there. Anyway, (laughs) we finished up the Ignite series this last week, and I want this is what we call this week in a standalone. And what it is a stand Whenever we do, we get the program a few of these every month, I mean every year, and about three or four in a year, we get to share, get to share what I think God's saying in this time and days uh, in which we live. And today what we're going to do, we're going to actually go in the book of Mark, um, chapter 2. This one is called, Where Do You Stand? It's a question that I'm going to ask you that you'll probably have to spend time this week answering. Um, is where you stand. And we're going to go to chapter 2, starting in verse 1. This is Jesus um, going home to his house. Some uh, magnificent things happened in his house. I call this the first explosive life group you ever find in the Bible. Because all he wanted to do was have some people over, or he wanted to rest. Some people showed up, and it got crazy. And that's how walking with God as it gets crazy. But let's go ahead and start in verse 1. We'll go all the way to verse 12. If you don't have your Bibles, it's on the screen. And I'm using the ESV version uh, this, this morning. It's this. He? When he returned to Capernaum, Camp- uh, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they, they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men they could not get near him because of the crowd they removed the roof above him and when they had made an opening they let him down in the bed on which the paralytic lay and when jesus saw their faith he said to the paralytic son i love the word when jesus calls you son your sins are forgiven now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts why does this man speak like this he is blaspheming who can forgive sin but god alone And he rose and immediately picked up the bed and went went out before them all. So they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, "We have never seen anything like this before." I've added "before" in there. And if you know about the Gospels, the Gospel, the book of Mark is one is a man's book because it cuts right to the chase doesn't talk about Jesus when he was um, growing up. It goes right into it. It doesn't uh, go around it. It goes straight to the language because it was written by Mark, believe it or not. And if you've been coming the last uh, few uh, weeks, we talked about Barnabas, his cousin. And writers say that because it's a language, because it's such a plain language, that Peter actually wrote the book and, and Mark scribed it in. But if you read it, you can see it shows that Jesus, it shows Jesus as the, the servant. Christ as the servant, not just like Matthew, that's the king in his kingdom. Mark says, Christ the servant. And it focuses on more than what he's done or what he's doing versus what he says. And again, if you like action movies and you will love those things, the book of Mark and the gospels is amazing because it goes right into it. Immediately, immediately things take place. And you see that immediate word immediately over 40 times in the book because Jesus hit the ground running. And if you want to know about the story, you can also see it in Luke chapter 5, verse 17 to 26, and also Matthew 9 through 1 through 8. Now you catch Jesus in the middle of chapter 2 and uh, chapter 2. If you open up the book of Mark, chapter 1 talks about John and his preaching, it talks about Jesus being. Um, coming on the scene, being baptized and being tempted. And then he goes right out. They start immediately. He goes and it starts to display, which everyone said they'd never seen this before. A man with authority from God to do certain things. The first one is he ran right over. Um, he had authority over demons. Disease. When Peter's mother-in-law was sick. You got when he when he loved his mother-in-law that much. He got it healed. Leprosy. Oh, he has authority over sinners, religion, the Sabbath, anyone who's deformed. Jesus has authority over all those things. And that word authority, you flip it again with power over those things. Certain things happen, but Jesus has more power over all those things. Since we established this morning that he created all things. So you see it in the very beginning. And the fourth thing that we're talking about today is palsy. It's a man that came in, was paralyzed from birth. That's the fourth thing that we, we looked at if you look at the book of uh, Mark in chapter 2. And you'll see something different that you don't see later on in the Bible. Jesus healed him, his soul first, before he healed his body, which said this guy was, deformed, he was paralyzed because of sin. And he healed that sin, which gave him the, the power to get up and walk. So he healed the most important thing first, his soul. A lot of people kick around, this is what he did, this is how he, um, is that real? Does it really, is, would God use someone just to um, go through all that in the Bible? Yes, when he wants to get a point across. Because this guy was an outcast. Think about it. In a religious culture, he couldn't come to a church like this. Because we were so stuck up, he was unclean, he was broken. He was not allowed unless he came and he was perfect. So no one, as him they even have friends, is amazing. And we see that Jesus reached out. And when you look at the story, I look at the story, you see three different characters that are always with Jesus wherever he goes. It's always different folks in the audience that he's preaching to. The first one I always look at is the crowd. Everywhere he went, there was a crowd. The second thing is the critics. The critics criticized everything he did. Those are the religious folks. And the last one, where the people got touched with the concerned. And I want to unpack those today. That's why I asked you, where do you stand? Everybody, from student to adult. Are you a crowd in the crowd? Are you a critic? Are you the concerned? And we're going to take a moment and unpack that. It says in Luke chapter 5, verse 17, that Jesus, again, he was coming home. And what happened was he was doing all these miracles and he was trying. He told the last guy he healed a leprosy. Don't tell anybody. Well, the guy didn't listen. He told everybody. So Jesus, before being out in public, now he had to go indiscreet, And he was just trying to come home. You know, you come home, put your feet up. Didn't expect a welcome reception like he received. But the one thing about it, he was ready when he came home. Because five, seven—I mean, chapter five, verse seventeen—says this: "There was power. There was power was with him to heal." How many still believe? I mean, how many believe today that Jesus is the ultimate healer? Some of you didn't raise your hand. See, that should be automatic. Jesus is now on level. I want to I I fix something. When you watch movies about um, the good guys and the bad guys, this is not um, a good guy and a dark force. God's over all this. So what it is, you have to believe that. Because we're talking about a story here that something happened, took place. And when I looked at those three, I found a quote by Max Lucado. I really start, to, as a pastor, start to really respect the power of choice. I didn't respect it like, as much as I respect it today. And his quote by Max Lucado said this, the choice we make daily, hourly, define who we become. In the end, they identify us to everyone around us. We make the choice, and then the choice makes us. The reason why I put that in there is because you make a choice to be in the crowd or a critic or a concerned, you can try to say other things, but really, people will read other things in you. Let's talk about the crowd. I call that the rally. The crowd that was with Jesus all the time, he was doing all these miracles and everyone wanted to see what he was doing. The crowd does not really believe. They just want to see a sign. They want to see something fantastic happen. They want to see some leg grow back. That's what they care about. They want to really see, prove to me that you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Show me something. Show me the money. That's all the crowd does. And sometimes they get in the way. And that's what they were doing. They were just, and they were in the house with Jesus. And none of them got healed. The crowd, when you read all through the Bible, they're always the ones just on the outside looking in. Here's another story in Mark chapter 5. It's a woman with the issue of blood. It says that she had the issue for 12 years, bleeding. Went to all the doctors, spent all her money, trying to get healed, and Jesus. She heard Jesus was coming in the town, and he was surrounded by the crowd. Everyone say crowd. So she was on the outside again. She is an outcast because one, she's a female; two, she has an issue. She's unclean. No one is going to touch her. No one's going to speak to her. It was even give her just the courage to come out and ask, can I get healed? But she had one thing that the crowd didn't have, faith. And the crowd was standing around, show me something. Show, okay, let's see, something. let's see the power of God. And they're pressing against Jesus. And she said, if I can only touch the hem of his garment. Now, she was also superstitious because back in those days, they felt if you can touch the hem of a curzeman, You will get healed. Now her faith was not perfect, but it was sufficient for her to get healed. And so she touched him, and she felt her body change. It dried up, the blood, everything. She felt herself being whole. And he said, who touched me? And she got nervous because she shouldn't even, I mean, again, this is someone no one wants to deal with. And he's like, and the guys are like, Jesus, who touched you, man? I mean, there's there's 400,000 people here pressing up against you. Everyone touched you. He said, no, 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 no. What he was really saying, it's a difference of touching me than trusting me. The one who touched me trusted me. See, the crowd don't trust. They just want to touch. Just want to touch. Put my foot in the water in the church, just want touch. You hear about them all the time. You know when so-and-so was here and we did this, you didn't do anything. You're part of the crowd. They're gone. They should have taught you how to do it. Hello? That's for adults. I'm sorry. You're college students. You're going to hear it later on. Back there. That's why we're giving you lunch. Just kidding. <laughs> she said, uh, She came up. It was me. She got healed. And then he said this. Your faith made you well. Go in peace. You are no longer an outcast. Now what happened to the crowd? How come the crowd wasn't healed? How come they didn't have a concern or a need Because their idea was to go be a fan, not a follower. A fan, not a follower. The crowd. Jesus had them all the time. Churches have them all the time. The crowds are the one that always speaks up. Why don't we do this? Why don't you start doing something else first? But the crowd, the difference, the woman in well, I mean the woman in the issue of blood, she pressed through with faith. They were just pressing on him, but she had trust. The second one is the critics. The critics. I call those the religious folks. You ever known anybody who thought they knew everything? You couldn't tell them anything. In fact, when they ask you a question, they don't have to answer. you just there to hear it. You're acting like, no, I don't have people. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. And these were, if you look at chapter 5, these were the Pharisees, the scribes that came from Jerusalem, Judea. They came from all over to hang out and criticize and try to trip up Christ himself. And they were so critical. If he made one move, they were worried about it because they they looked at him and said, oh, you're going to heal this? You're going to say his sins are forgiven? Only God can do that. Well, you know something? When you're so critical, you miss God standing in front of you. And he was there because it was power to heal. But critical. What happens when we, you know, the Bible, well, you try to explain it, that doesn't exist anymore. And I have a problem with that because why would God put it in writing and say, psych, half of it doesn't work? (laughs) And the critics will criticize. And it really messed him up because he healed by giving forgiveness first. That really messed him up. Only God can do that. Well, God's standing right in front of you. I want to challenge young people and old people. No, I mean, seasoned people. <laughs> Don't ever lose your faith. stay naive. If you lose, you, you, you don't be naive any long. You start becoming, I don't think it's happening anymore. I really, as a, as a researcher on the Bible and researcher online trying to figure out messages, I am really getting discouraged by the guys who are, are just tearing the church up. Like it's nothing. over in America. We're losing people. We're not gaining. And I'm like, when... There wouldn't be a church without Christ. So this is his mission. And when's the last time he lost anything? Now just because you don't understand the way it's going, why would you say it's over? And as a that is you know I can read I can give you a whole bunch of statistics why you think we're failing. No, really, it's we we don't understand. We don't understand. When I even when I went to Bible school, when they were trying to take Isaiah and make him three people. Because over 150 years he was so accurate. And it blew their minds, said, we got to figure this out. He's trying to figure it out. Except hearing what God's trying to do today. You see, let's look around you. This is what God's trying to do today. Take a church with all different ages, all different cultures, and then go change the world. And he says, have fun with that. Because it's not a book written, and none of y'all are in magazines that we can put on our webpage page. Because no one looks like us here in Abilene. And I I love to brag about that. But the critics, don't become a critic. Because if you let religion overpower your relationship, you become a critic. You want to always, God, I know you're up to something. Even in the spots where you think nothing's going on, God is up to something. You know, he's up to something a lot when it seems like things are just going mundane. know what he's doing? He's building you up for the big thing coming up. And you take that advantage, you take that time, and you start growing in that. Because we spend most of our lives in the valley. The crowd, they like the mountaintop experience. Okay, what's going on down here? Okay, well, they got a better Sunday school. The mountaintop, and well you guys making disciples is kind of boring. Same old boring strokes we call it. If you part of, if you know about our church, we're part of every nation, churches and ministries. Now it's just every nation, and we believe in making disciples because we believe in hundred years from now we won't be here, but our kids will. And if we don't make disciples, no. If, I, if we don't make disciples, when we are, the only kind of growth period we'll have is when everyone dies we'll have negative growth. And don't want to be a church. We're going to be 25 years old coming up July 4th, 2015. And we're going to celebrate. But it's also one of those times that being a 25-year-old church, we got, we're at a crossroads. We can either thrive or we can just survive. And last time I checked, Ms. Don said, we're going to thrive because she told me we're going to do this thing. You know, when your wife told you you're going to do this thing, we're going to do this thing. (laughs) He gave sin. He removed the sin. Which baffled their minds. And removed the consequences of it. Which was his paralyzed. He was paralyzed. Messed them up. Because they're thinking God, God. And God was standing in front of them. See, they missed Jesus, guys, because he didn't look like the way they thought he looked like. They thought he'd be a king that would overtake Rome. They didn't think a servant would come and do it his way. That's why you never, you can't critique what God is doing because he's always, he stays in pattern and principles, but he'll, he'll change some things you don't even recognize it. And critics are the ones that, if you have one of the bad things about critics, one of the things we, we deal with in churches, if you come from a place or you've been in this place and you got hurt in this place, you critique from here on forward. Or if you come from another place, like we learned in the military, the last place you left is always the best. You know, it was better in Okinawa. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was better, you know. And this is where we did it here. No, this, this, that was there. This is, this is here. This is Abilene, Texas. See? You'll have to fight that as young people coming into a new church, into a new environment from your old... I was Lutheran. We don't do anything. <laughs> nothing. In fact, I preached longer than my pastor did. Fifteen minutes and then you drank the wine <laughs> out of one cup. You spun it. They wasn't worried about germs. You spun it and you drank it. If you didn't drink it in my household, <laughs> you will drink it. I don't care what spit coming off it or not. (laughs) What? God was in it? (laughs) See, y'all got little cups now? Hey, be happy. (laughs) Let's start breaking out some of that old school. Get a piece of that bread. Spin that cup, Elder Mark. Spin that cup. Get that drip. Okay, we'll just get that off. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about germs. You're in church you fall out, Jesus will heal you. (laughs) Okay, I got to get going. (laughs) Last one is... (laughs) I got to put that in the notes. That was good. (laughs) Last one is the concerned. That one covers relationships. First one, the crowd, is a rally. Second one, the critics, is religion. Third one is relationships. Those five guys, I don't think they came together the last minute and said, we're going to take you in and get healed. I believe when God puts a people in a church, you build a relationship with him, and then you build fantastic relationships with one another. Because, I mean, writers said, well, did he see the faith of all five or just the four? It doesn't matter. First, he's laying there. He's trusting them. They had to build a relationship over a long period of time. They heard about Jesus. They know he was coming. And they said, well, let's just start hanging out. This is the second life group. Let's crash the first one. They're hanging out. And they're building their faith. And the one thing about it, when you're hanging out with other people and you start building friendships, other people become more of a concern than yourself. Because their whole goal was, I got to get him, in chapter 5 in Luke, it says, we got to get him at Jesus' feet. Now, today's context, we got to take Jesus out to the field because we have him inside of us. But I see they built a long-standing relationship. And then this moment came. One thing I learned growing up, my dad taught me about the word loyalty. I'm a lifer. I get in the organization. I'm a lifer. I'm not going anywhere. I find, if you find the people you want, you just stick around and build with them.
1: Yeah.
0: You just hang out. I'm a lifer. And we have a few lifers here. Y'all didn't know that Lindsay Moats, when she came here as a college student sitting there, in the midst of turmoil, we lose getting a new pastor in. Everyone, Here's the keys, to, this, here's the keys to, the, to the church. And she said, all my friends are leaving. And I don't know you or you, but I know Jesus, and I know Jesus placed me here for a reason. And that reason is with Alan, all you guys. See the power of sticking it out relationships now relationships easy no we're all different we all think different i'm in texas i'm from new york you love the cowboys i love the jets they both lose so we both you know but we got vic okay i gotta come up here They had seen that relationships context was very important to them, and it's tough today because everyone's scared of one another. Or hanging out, no one's scared behind the computer. And you heard this before, but face to face, scary. We call, it, we call it now that's that's, not, that's countercultural. But when you make disciples, we want to be countercultural. You know, we can get online and have some pastor disciple you through a message, but he can't lay hands on you through a message. And he can't help you when you're having your worst day or your worst um, emergency. I love it. I listen to guys online all the time, but my heart cannot be filled unless someone's in front of me. And I'm a product of a relationship that started, what, 1970, 1997? 87? No, not me and you. That's 87. Oh. I know that. know that. Hey, you're not part of the sermon. On. <laughs> <I'm just trying laughs> 1997. Oh. With Kevin York, the founding pastor here. And I saw a lot of things happen. But I remember him growing me up quickly. Because he saw a lot of things in me I didn't see. And even when I wasn't in this church, I met him as a youth pastor. And he's on our board and board of directors and, and um, Daniel Stevens, who I've known for, I guess, 10 years now. He's called Big Dan. Now, he was, he was a youth pastor. And he, I think you guys met um, Craig Felty. He's the other guy. He's, he's our teacher in Big Springs, teaching the Bible in school. That's my board members. And, you know, I'm the, I'm the oldest guy out of all of them. I don't mind that because when Dan speaks, he's a man of wisdom. And Pastor Kevin has a way of just telling you off and you feel good about it. <laughs> <laughs> but when I showed up here, I was, in, I was sick from hurt. I was hurt when we showed up here. We were hurt. And I've been reading about sickness and, and, and um, discipleship. And one thing a writer wrote in, name is John Young, in his book Health, healing, and modern medicine, the gospel of contemporary culture. So this is the gospel. I missed this part before. He says the gospel declares that healing involves relationship with God, with other people, and with ourselves, and with our environment. Those guys, the concerned, were concerned so much about the other person. In the midst of that, they built a relationship with one another. With God and one another. Other people and the environment was sick. And that guy laying there, you got to applaud him for the faith. Because who's going to have, you're taking me where? And then the ingenuity of there's a crowd there. We can't get in that way. I don't care what the critics say. So in them houses, like a flat house, and you had to go up step the steps. Oh, there's a roof. Got some tile. Got some sticks. Let's just break this open and be so unconventional. Nothing's going to stop you when you have faith. Let me tell you, sometimes you think there's a whole bunch of stuff. When you have faith, you have, you'll blow it all up to get to where you got to go. And they load them down in there, and he says, I saw their faith for that moment. Their faith. Those guys had it. That's, that's what true discipleship is. That's what the concern is. Well, I'm concerned about our schools, our public school. I mean, our, our elementary schools, our middle schools, our high schools, our universities, our job place. I'm, we're concerned about that. That's why you see us here. It says we're reaching people and building community because we want to reach people. And it's going to be very unconventional And I think God's calling us to be unconventional. It's it's crazy, but it's fun. Those guys were risky. But through the risk of faith, God always seems to answer that. And he lowered them down. And I love the answer. I mean, the response. Lower them down. Conversation goes on. Jesus said, get up, walk out. And they said, everyone glorified God, which is a principle. Glorifying God is so much more important than me getting the credit. See, they don't even have their name in the book. They don't even know who they are. That's what a leader wants. You don't have to know who they are. But for us in Grace Point Church, we want to lift you up or put you down in the middle of Christ, put in everything he needs for you, disciple you, and they don't have to know who we are. They just got to know Jesus showed up here in Abilene, Texas. Because it's not about a name of who did it. We know who done it. Who did it? Bad language. I'm going to hurt this on Monday when I hear myself. We know who does it. Christ himself. They glorified. Never seen nothing like this before. I believe that's what God's calling us to concern. Those who are coming here today, college students coming in from out of town, freshmen, I'm going to challenge you. Don't run around with the crowd. Find the people that something happens. Because what happen. it's not about joining a church, it's about joining a people. When I walked in here, I felt this, I got the people Church thing is later: join the people. Someone that you know, someone you trust, build that, that long-lasting friendships, because that's what you're going to really, at the end of your days, the ones you make your friend, the ones your're real friends are going to be with you. Adults, don't jump around. Well he says he preaches good here, he speaks good here plant. Build your life. So your kids' kids will build their lives here. See, when you see up here in worship, those were kids, I'm not going to embarrass them, they were back there jumping around in the stage in the youth room. Now they're up here leading us in worship. Because they had families that stayed and built something great and fantastic. And now they're up here doing it too. And they're going to build kids that's going to do the same thing. Crowd. It's nothing. I used to hate the crowd, but I love the crowd because I gives us the opportunity to take the crowd to the concerned. I was, God show how religious I was. The crowd, they, well, you got to start somewhere. People are not going to walk in here and think they're going to become the concerned that quickly. Sorry, Lord, I thought this was for them. And the critics, we haven't even seen our best days yet. It's, over. it's not even started yet because when the sleeping giant wakes up and starts walking in the authority of Jesus Christ, that you know that you can go lay hands on someone, they will be healed. Not, sometime not immediately, but we know ultimately. And he still healed today. You'll, when you come next couple weeks, we're going to start a new series. You'll get through this. You're going to have some testimonies of people who got healed of cancer. You're going to say, what? God's? Yes, he's still, he's not dead. It's a movie. I don't know if it's for the lost folks or for us to remind us. He's not dead. There's a lawyer who came to Jesus in Mark chapter 12. He says, sum life up for me. Sum the whole thing of life up for me, Jesus. Jesus gave him this this speech. 12, verse 30. Do you have it, sir? There you go. He summed it up. Very educated man. Jesus summed it up this one thing. He said, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And you shall love. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There was no other commandment greater than these. And, the, and what he told him was, he says, show me the many ways of being significant in the world. And Jesus, Jesus said, I'm going to give you one thing all the way back from the Old Testament. One thing I want you to do, the one word that you don't even see on this, worship. Worship God and then everything else will unfold for you. Because you cannot love people unless you love God first. And he'll teach you how to love people different from you. But he said, focus everything you have. Don't worry about your work. Don't worry, about you're going to get the jobs. Focus your life on God. Love him with all, all abandon. Go for it. The reason why he says, get him and replicate Well, my son did. He gave it all for us. He had the power and said, it's done. He went through it for us to the end. And he got up. All the extra months, focus. Which group am I? Focus. Who am I going to be? Focus, worship. Worship God and watch everything unfold. Now that sounds simplistic today, but that's what he's trying to get us to do. Because there's nothing worse getting something that God never ordained, because He's not really obligated to get you out of it. You've got to walk back out of it. Worship. Worship God. That's what he was saying. He said, Pastor Rich, I think that's impossible. I noticed something that humanity maybe never sees, which I said is hope. Say, how do you always seem like you're so optimistic? You ever notice during Catastrophic event. The stories you hear about people dropping their own things and helping someone out of their jam. We have stories after stories after stories. What it is, the mago day. God in us, created in his image. When crisis happens, we start to operate the way he wants us to operate. And you have all these stories. The first responders, what made them do it? What made them do it? Love of mankind. Well, how do you have all that? Because I have a love, somehow a love for God. I can't explain it. But that's what it's about, guys. Loving God with all your might and strength. And it will be seen in mankind. Who's mankind? Your neighbor. The one you work with. Your brothers and sisters, some of them, your mom and dads who don't know Jesus. That's how it played out. That's how it's played out. Where do you stand? Crowd? Critic? Concerned? That's the question you have to answer. This week, that's easy for me to say. Everyone in Stamford, you think you, that's something you have to ponder. That's something I have to ponder every day. Am I in this for comfort? Am I in this in the mission? When we talk about Grace Point Church, connect, grow, serve. We, I mean, it's what we say. It's what we want to do. If we're not doing it, it doesn't reside on you. It kind of on me. If I'm not moving. If I don't have faith, we're not going anywhere. So, the words that you hear today challenge me to the core every day. One thing I know, I found out this week, can be kind of critical about the crowd, about why they're not connecting, all about me. (laughs) <laughs> it's all about him I had it off which put me got me a little tired this is campus Sunday and I have someone who's going to give a testimony about what we just spoke about this is Will he is from Hardin Simmons
1: all my cowboys out there I'll tell you, man, that was a great word. Thank you, Pastor Rich. That was awesome. Can I get a round of applause for him, please? That was awesome. But I'll tell you, this is really just pulling on my heart today. And, you know, whether we're the crowd, the critic, the concern, I'm telling you, I've had all those three. And when I first started out here, I could uh, tell you my first fall semester, it was a rough transition. It really was. You know, from going from the high school kid, just graduating to being, you know, the college student with all these responsibilities and Not only responsibilities, but responsibilities within those temptations and, you know, seeing all my friends. And I had a friend I knew, and I just, you know, seeing him kind of slip up and, you know, just being around all that. It was rough. But I could tell you one thing. I still remember the first time I got connected with the church. That was uh, a friend of mine, Josh. Alan knows Josh. And um, he was involved a little bit in the ministry. And he said, hey, why don't you come down to the small group? And I said, okay. So Brent and Kaysen and all them, that's where I first met them. And I was involved in the small group and um, finally met them there. And I decided to go ahead and start trying out Bashes. I said, okay, this is awesome. They're really nice guys. I love getting connected with them, getting to know them on a personal level. And so I said, okay, I'll go to Bashes. And so I finally went, and I was like, okay, this is cool, too. (laughs) There's so much awesome stuff. I'm like, why don't I just go to church? And so I said, you know what? I go to church. I heard Pastor Rich speak for the first time, and it was just – I felt, man, this is just – this is community. This is family. You know, I felt like this is where I belong. You know, I finally felt like, you know, the song Amazing Grace, you know, I was lost and then I was found. And I really felt like, you know, this is where I belonged. And I, um, another thing, a shout out to uh, Pastor Allen, too, just getting to mentor me. And I got to finally kind of figure out what the church was about, the heart of it. And I felt like that's where my heart was. And I felt like I finally found it here. And so I felt like, you know, after going through that rough first semester and then in spring, I got connected by uh, being called up as a co-leader. And so I've enjoyed getting to this this first week alone, getting to be involved with the ministry and getting to help out with the fair and all that stuff. It's just been a really big blessing in my life. And so I feel like God's call was to be here, and I just love it, love the church, love everybody in it. And that's really what happened with me.
0: Amen.